to see your wonderful face via Zoom. It's so good to see you too. Via Zoom. I wish I could actually hug you. I know. Uh, hey, welcome to Theater Theater, the theater podcast for theater people made by three theater nerds from the LA's theater scene. But today it's just me. It's just me with one of my good friends that I've now known for like 11 years. So everyone, (laughs) this is, this is CJ Merriman. We don't have any Bailey or Scott today. Normally we would discuss and debate the evolution of a specific playwright, but today we have another very special edition of Theater Theater Artist Spotlight, a bonus series highlighting the artists that y'all should be keeping an eye out for if you don't already know and love this woman. We're talking today via Zoom with our guest, an amazing actress, an incredibly excellent human being, Rebecca Metz. Hi. Hi, Rebecca. My How cat's are you? Screaming. Can you hear her? That's, there's nothing I can do about that. Get her in there. Get okay. her in here. <laughs> Mine's actually sitting asleep to me right now. Hi. How are you? How's uh, it going? I don't know how to answer that question anymore. Great. <laughs> Terrible. I don't fucking know. Can I say bad words on this show? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. And don't. We are TVMA. Everyone put the kids to bed. I don't. Fine here. <laughs> I'm traumatized like everyone. <laughs> Just from quarantine in general. Yeah. I'm going to ask you more about that a little bit later. Okay. Um, uh, we're connoisseurs of context on this podcast. So, um, first of all, we want to get to know you personally a little bit. Where are you from, Mets? I am from Freehold, New Jersey, hometown of Bruce Springsteen. Ooh, okay. That's right. I I always add it because that helps people understand. (laughs) It's going to bring our big Bruce Springsteen fans in. I can't wait. Yeah. We've been waiting for our Bruce Springsteen numbers to go up. Um, where did you go to school? Uh, Freehold Township High School. Mm Mm-hmm. And then... You were a Carnegie Mellon person, weren't you? I'm a Carnegie Mellon person, yes. Indeed. And I will say, I want to add, because I feel like I talk about Carnegie Mellon all the time, but I don't plug. There was a really good magnet program in my high school district where I did, like, it's called the Fine and Performing Arts Center. It's called something else now. Uh huh. But, like, my junior and senior year, for half a day, I bust over to another high school and took, like, acting and dance and singing and... Wow. And, like sort of actor classes and the dance class took the place of gym which was like oh I mean, my amazing yes yeah. absolutely so, so it was a you said as a magnet pro i went to public school so how big was your so big, oh okay how big was your school i have no idea but oh. but mm, a few thousand to that i have no earthly idea it wasn't tiny, but the district had, it was like a, a magnet program. So each high school had a program in it. So at my home high school, um, ours, it was called international studies, which was like for people who wanted to be lawyers, there was medical science, which was at another school. There was, I don't remember what they all were. Mine was the only mine. It was mine. It was the <laughs> only one where you didn't have to totally switch schools. Like you could bus over the rest of them. You just had to go to that high school all the time. Um, but we bust over. So, um, wow. and it was awesome because it just, 
it was, it gave me confidence early. Like, I don't know that I would have had the balls to audition for Carnegie Mellon or done well at it uh-huh. if I hadn't had that program first. My parents trained singers. They met singing. Um, so they were always in choirs and they met at All City Chorus in New York City. <laughs> um, where I think I my dad it. was a conductor and they were in high school. It's so cute. Um <laughs> I've never dated anyone else. My dad only dated one other person and they're still friends. Like it's wow. adorable and couldn't be further from life. A New Jersey um, love story. It, yeah. A New York city. They were both, oh, they were me, in New York city. <laughs> in New York city. It's fine. I just have to give them their credit you know, <laughs> and myself. Um, so like I grew up going to their performances and they would do musicals. They would do a musical every year and whenever they needed kids, I would be a kid in their musical. So I was in Carousel as a little kid, like, and that probably, that was probably one of the, and, and like, whenever the bicentennial of the Statue of Liberty was, I don't remember. <laughs> oh man, they, I don't know. Somebody Google it. They did a concert <laughs> at, at Ellis Island that I was in. And so like, I had little music centered performance opportunities as a kid that made me realize I loved it and wanted to do it. And I also always credit the Muppet show for being, you know, watching the Muppet show and being like, watching the backstage stuff and being like, those are my people. That's what I want to do. Oh, I've got, I love the Muppet show. Do you have like a favorite episode that you can recall? Um, I think my favorite episode, I believe it's, yeah, I know it's the Liza Minnelli episode when there's like murders on the Muppet show. And <laughs> it's genuinely scary. Kermit. <laughs> like is he's in like a you know detective coat and hat and i see like it sneaking through liza minnelli's dark dressing room and there's like arrows whizzing by his head and muppet corpses falling out of <laughs> armoires it's it's the, best. it's the best oh my god i i've got i've got three muppet show dvds and it's like steve martin and gilda radner mm-hmm. um but my my favorite one is the elton john episode oh yes 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 um I, I also, feel like we talked about the Muppets a lot in the dressing I'm sure. rooms. Yes. I also love the Leo Sayer one because he moshes with the big Muppets. Or no, but that might have been Alice Cooper. Leo Sayer does something with the big Muppets. Alice Cooper moshes with the big Muppets, which just to me is like a dream. <laughs> oh my God, that sounds like so much fucking fun. They just yes. announced that all episodes of the Muppet Show are coming to Disney Plus, I think February 19th. What? Oh, that's right. Because wasn't like all that stuff on Hulu? Because I know Fraggle Rock was on Hulu. The Muppets haven't been available anywhere. The Muppet Show has never been available. Like if it, there were VHS tapes of compilations and there were DVDs, mm-hmm. I know all of this because I had them all. Uh-huh. It, it hasn't been available streaming anywhere. I wonder the- why. Like, you know, legal shit. Money. Yeah. Money, probably. Okay, that was a that was a Muppet sidebar, everybody. Um, <laughs> um, how long have you been in LA now? Uh, I came here in 1996, so almost in September, it'll be 25 damn years. A quarter of a century. That's crazy. I've been here. I just hit my 14-year mark, so Mm -hmm. 25 years. Okay. Did you come here right after school? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We did... um, we did, and they still do like a showcase in New York. And our year was the first year we did LA. My class made a bunch of noise about how we should do LA too. And we had bake sales and we're just basically a pain in everybody's ass until <laughs> let us come out here. And now they, they've they been doing it every year ever since. 
Okay, so my Webster, our dean, who actually just passed away last year or two years ago, he was a Carnegie Mellon guy. And we always bragged that coming to Webster was like getting an MFA at Carnegie Mellon. Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, we were the first class that made a lot of noise because we always went to New York, but we never came to L.A. And we were the first class to come out here. That's... I just, you know, crazy, another crazy side story, even though this isn't about me. Um, <laughs> how do we know each other? Um, so don't be mad at me if I get this wrong, because I mm. never remember this shit about anybody. But I mean, through Sacred Fools in theater, obviously. Mm -hmm. You did crew for Land of the Tigers? Yes, I did. I did backstage crew for you that show. You probably met before that, but like the first time we really like spent any time in the same space together was probably land of the tigers. And then, um, Oh, I hear the cat now. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not far from there. Yeah. It's far from there. I don't know what to tell you. Um, <laughs> so land of the tigers. I, that was the first time it was 2009. Oh my God. Yes. Okay. Go on, go on. And then, and then we really became friends, friends during Brodus behavior of Brodus. The behavior of Brodus, which is, that was 2014, which is still to this day, my favorite production yeah. I have ever, I agree. ever, ever done. It was such good times. It, it almost feels weird doing this with you, not having Devin with us. <laughs> oh, I was about to say, I just saw her. Of course I didn't. I just zoomed with, I think we had a game night. Yeah. We had, had oh, a game fun. Night when she was there. Oh, okay. Lovely. Um, yeah, Behavior of Brodus. It's definitely, I mean, we definitely bonded a lot because we were rehearsing a lot. Um, and it's, it's. I feel like people bond really well when they're on bad shows, but I felt like we all bonded really well because it was a good show and we all we really so believed in it. It was such a good show. And we had, like, a lot of us had workshopped it together. And so, like, right. there, and and knew each other already from working together, like like the, the um, Burglars of Ham, who are sort of their own little company have they're so amazing a crew so amazing and so like a lot of us knew each other already and we're so and are we're excited to see who else was going to be there and like it's just it's so nice to work on good material with good people like there's just nothing better than that and you know I have to I was thinking today of like what memory I could recall that specifically had to do with the two of us during that show and there were so many but the main one I can remember is every night standing behind the two separate stages, we were backstage left yeah. and we were just, we just had a thin piece of plywood separating us from the audience and we'd be waiting for the lights to go down and we would just, it was, you started it. We would flip the audience the double bird during always. the curtain speech. I always do. I always do. My, I had a teacher in high school at the Fine and Performing Arts program uh -huh. tell me, I'm sure he didn't tell me to tell the audience to fuck off. That 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 doesn't sound right. But it was something along the lines of like, I'm gonna do my thing, you relax and enjoy yourself. I don't even know. <laughs> I always do. Yes, well, and I have to tell you, I mean, the last big show I did was Deadly, which was 14 or 15 months ago. And we were, I, I still tell that story to people backstage because I still backstage, especially if I'm doing yeah. a big musical, yeah. we'll flip the audience, the double bird before. And I want to be clear. It's not because I have any disdain for the audience. <laughs> I absolutely do not. It's just a way of, for myself, kind of, my therapist used to call it separate spray. She would like, if I was <laughs> talking about something where I was very attached or enmeshed with someone, she would 
mime spraying me down with a can of separate spray. It's oh my God, I got to use this. It works. It's a reminder that it, whatever the audience is doing, my job is to do my best performance. Right. Not reliant, like I'm, nothing about what they do is going to, none of this sounds right. Cause it's no, like, it sounds great. But it's just, I think if you are a pleaser, if you are a pleaser by nature, it's it's just a little gesture to be like, fuck you, I know what I'm doing and you're going to like it. <laughs> I've, I've always kind of seen it as like, you're paying me to do this. Exactly. So. <laughs> exactly. And I think in an intimate theater where you can see the, up their noses, you know, like you can, they're right in front of you. Yes. It's helpful because it's helpful to put a layer of separation between you and them because otherwise you could just sit in their laps and they could just whisper like, you're an asshole. <laughs> I've already got vampires in my head doing that to me yeah. regularly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, okay, so big important question that I'm sure everybody asks you. Um, what was your first like big break that you feel? Uh, it was probably Nip Tuck. Tell us about Nip, Nip Tuck. So uh, I, I got called in. Nip Tuck was a Ryan Murphy show. I'm going to assume people know it was it. on Showtime. It was on FX. It was on. Oh, FX. that's right. FX. Yes. Um, and yeah, the Kanye West song. Is that a Kanye West song? Flashing lights. Yes. Yes. It's a- <laughs> <laughs> um, the thing that I will say for, first of all, it's a casting office. Ulrich Dawson Kritzer, I love them. They have called me and cast me on many, many things and I adore them. But at the time, I think they'd only ever called me in for one other thing that I didn't book. And I'd been trying, postcarding them and trying to get in there for, I mean, they cast so many shows. And like in my mind, I was like, they have my headshot pinned up in the office and they just throw garbage at it. Like there's no other, I wouldn't, you know. Yeah. And I know that's not true. And I knew that then, but still it was like a big deal to get called in there. And I went in and also Nip Tuck was like, if you had asked me as people do ask actors to make a list of shows that you think you're right for, um, Nip Tuck would have been at the very bottom because it's a show about beautiful plastic surgeons in Miami. Mm-hmm. none of which has anything to do and it's a drama like it's just the absolute last show I would ever so they called me in but it was this um and it was just a scene or two and I went to the audition and then I got a call back and I'm not gonna tell the whole story because it'll take three years but I remember the casting director winked at me in the callback and I was like oh huh. okay okay I did I mean I didn't think that meant anything because like I have had a director say to me once many years later, uh, a producer, I think he was the executive producer on some other show. I did the audition. He was like, Rebecca, you're wonderful. I was like, well, I didn't get that fucking job. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think a wink to mean anything, but I didn't note it. Um, And I booked it and uh, my agent and I was getting ready. I don't know if it was that night or, you know, a day later, whatever it was. I was getting ready to go to the magic castle with two friends of mine. So I was getting all dressed up. I've never been still. What? Yes. Okay. Okay. Separately we can go. Um, But, and I, my agent called and was like, you, she said, you booked it. They want to make sure you're okay with the scene where you're on all fours with a bag on your head and he's having sex with you from behind. And I was like, what? (laughs) That was not in the material. <laughs> 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 
Jesus. And it was in the days of fat, like I read two scenes and they were just like scenes in the office and the breakdown said, blah, blah, has explicit sex with Christian. But like, I had never seen the show. And so I didn't, I don't know what that means. And my best friend was like, you should probably watch it. No. <laughs> <laughs> They sent it all to me and I read it and I will never forget. I sat on my couch in my apartment by myself and I I just was like in my in my like half dressed up magic castle, whatever. And I was like, well, I have to decide right now if I love myself the way I am, because if I don't, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. And if I'm gonna do this, I have to decide that right now or I'll fuck myself up because it's a the character gets treated horribly, horribly, you know, sexually humiliated and debased and and just insulted and in your underwear and whatever, like mm-hmm. none of which I had ever done or would have, I would have bet you money I did not have to bet that I would never be asked to do anything like that. So it was just like, you know, like driving past a car accident and you find out if you're going to pull over or not. Like I just, and mm-hmm. I just, mostly because I didn't want to turn it down. It was by far the biggest thing I'd ever had the opportunity to do. I was like, okay, I decide to love myself so that I can take this job purely on practical, for practical reasons. And um, like, ugh, I was working a full-time day job, full-time, I was an executive assistant at an office. And I had to tell my boss who I love, thank God. I was like, so I have to go um, I need like two hours today to go get a plaster cast made of my butt <laughs> and uh, just the whole thing was completely surreal um, and I had to you know get a temp to cover my desk for the week that I was doing it and wow it was it was such a great experience. Like it, I went there for my fitting or something and I could tell that they were really nervous about it. Oh. It, was, it was even for them a very dark character. And so I think, and also a character who is intimate with their, one of their series leads. And I think they're always nervous. You know, some actors are cuckoo. And if you get someone who he doesn't like or who is weird with him or, you know, it could, it could very easily be an awkward situation. Of course. Uh, and so I think they were, and also I think they were sensitive. A lot of people on the crew were sensitive to um, humiliating someone's body. And, and you know, what they said to me in the audition, she's getting liposuction, the character. And she's uh-huh. all about wanting to be skinny and pretty and whatever. And there were all sizes and sorts of people at the audition. And when I went back, it was more people my size, which at the time was significantly smaller than I am now, which I would call sort of average mm. for America. Mm. And I think, and I asked them, like, are you, what's going to be the difference between the before and after? Because you see me before surgery and after surgery. I was like, are you going to pad me for the before? Are you going to, how is this going to work? And they said, no, the whole point is there's nothing wrong with her. He barely does anything to her. It's all of this is in each of their heads, their own self-loathing, which I thought was so much more interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, it was just, it was an amazing experience. I'm still friends with a lot of those people. Julian McMahon, I will give a shout out to who played Christian Troy, who was one of the leads on the show was like, mm-hmm. so wonderful. Mm. Never made it feel like cancer. Like we were always giggling and he was always checking in with me and the director, Mike Robin, who I've worked with since, um, pulled me aside a few days before the big sex scene and, and, and 
talked me through exactly what they were going to do. It was, it, you know, it was very efficient, extremely respectful. Like I never once felt I, it was, it was an ideal experience. They had a first AD named Dirk Kraft who died a few years ago, but, um, I think that scene was the the sex scene was the last thing we shot or one of the last things we shot. And so like, I had kind of gotten to know them over the course of the week. And I had said to Dirk at one point, like when we get to that scene, I'm going to need like a bottle of scotch, you off camera with a bottle of scotch, just so I know it's there. And when I walked into my trailer that day, there were a dozen white roses and a bottle of scotch there with a note from Dirk, which is like, Aww. just you certainly, I don't want to say you never get taken care of like that on a TV show, but you certainly can't count on it. And I had, wow. I had no reason to expect it. And so like when people talk to me about that role, which was dark and awful and you know, whatever, like I have nothing but the most wonderful joy filled memories of it. And it really changed things for me after that. Like it was the first time I really got to act mm, Okay. instead of just being like, here's your coffee. You know, I had done things before, but nothing that demanded anything. Right. And it was one of those shows that a lot of people in the industry watched, which I didn't know. Mm -hmm. It was also my first experience being a little bit famous. Like the, the week after it aired, I had the experience of like, I live by myself. I wanted to go to brunch and I caught myself putting on like a baseball cap and sunglasses. <laughs> I just didn't want to talk about it for an hour. Well, yeah, because I'm sure there's a million people that wanted to ask you about yes, it and talk about it. Like me. Went. <laughs> but, but, but I mean, that's, you're fine. But I mean, like right. strangers, I had a day job and like I walked in the day after it aired and people were like, what are you doing here? I saw your ass on TV. And it was like, okay. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I, there was a woman, a former boss at that office who, I might be conflating the story with some other guy, but people who I worked <laughs> with who were like, I remember this conversation who were like, how much did it cost? And I was like, what do you, what do you mean? I was like, how much did it cost you? And I was like, no, they paid me actually a decent amount of money to do it. And I realized like this went on very strangely for a few minutes and then he left. And I realized like, he thinks I had plastic surgery. Huh? Wow. He thinks I was on a plastic surgery show. I, like, well, I guess, I guess we'll just leave that there. And those are like the people that voted for Trump because he was a good businessman. Like yeah, exactly. Just, just I can't blame anybody for not knowing how television works, but like, <laughs> you know, just, just the whole thing was, it's crazy to look back on. And I don't know that I would have had the balls to do it if I'd known what it was going to, if I had seen the show and if I had known everything about it. Yeah. And I see women, I not so often anymore, but I, for a long time would see women who were like, I turned that down. I can't believe you did it. Really? Huh? Yeah. Well, I, and I just, what I, I've heard that story before and I love that story. And the thing that I heard again this time that like, you need to like go do speeches on this about <laughs> like, well, I got to decide right now to love myself yeah. or I, uh, there's no going pat. And I think, I think just about 95% of theater people need to hear that. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, like, what a blessing to have a role that makes you do that, because... Trial by fire, for sure. Trial by fire. And I think if you're a certain kind of... I, I think probably everybody has this, but, like, you know, I, for a long time, would get called in for stuff that was like, she's fat and hideous and nobody could ever love her. <laughs> it would yeah. be like, I'm, oh, I'm supposed to read for this? And, like, whatever. Sometimes I would, and sometimes I wouldn't based on the substance of the role, but... <laughs> 
having that conversation with yourself again it's the separateness i think it makes it possible to go like because i've also auditioned for stuff described as attractive or that it doesn't matter what she looks like and it's like this this is a reflection of what other people are projecting onto you not of anything about you and you have to if you haven't had that conversation with yourself i don't think i think it would be a lot harder to understand that um, okay, so I know this is the question that you've been looking forward to. <laughs> How has COVID affected you through this whole thing? I think I'm going to need another few months and some therapy to adequately answer that question. I don't know. Um, let's see. I was a, I, I, had, I was a series regular on a show for the first time and it got canceled because of this shit. So that's a bummer. And also... Um, and also I'm okay with, I was um, a, a Disney channel mom on a show called mm -hmm. Yummy Ask the World, which was mm -hmm. an incredible experience in a whole bunch of ways. And also you were great I, on it. Thank you. I, <laughs> I actually, I wasn't sure. That's another thing. I would never have considered myself a person who would be a Disney channel mom. And so <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised by the whole process, including that I feel like I got to, basically it was like being on a regular sitcom. You know, mm -hmm. like it wasn't super broad and and embarrassing. It wasn't, I feel like I'm gonna get in trouble for saying that. I didn't know what to expect. <laughs> I We know what you mean. I yeah. know what you mean. And um, I was really proud of a lot of what we did and it was actually fun to be around kids, which is shocking because I, <laughs> I you know, I have none and I've always known I was gonna have none because I didn't think I wanted to be around them very much. And I can remember these discussions in the dressing room. Yes. <laughs> So it's a bummer that it ended as you know especially from like an employment perspective of course and just knowing what you're going to go back to and that you have something to go back to but um i'm okay with being sort of back in the grown-up world and able to be open to possibilities and stuff um but that is one way that COVID affected me mm -hmm. um uh i baked a lot yeah, that was, yeah. How have you been coping with it? Have you been doing any creative stuff during oh, yeah. this whole thing? I know at least, fortunately, I know myself well enough now to know that I have to keep doing creative stuff or I will like, for me, uh, my creative energy is the same energy as my anxiety. And if I am not sort of exorcising it by doing creative things, my anxiety builds up and I stop sleeping and I get very cranky and mm -hmm. depression and all that kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. like I knew, okay, you have to come up with stuff to do. Mm -hmm. A lot of baking and cooking. <laughs> um, I wasn't doing sourdough, which I was doing before because I <laughs> started doing it and I was like, hey, everybody's doing it. <laughs> <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, but we we redid our backyard. Mm -hmm. um, so we had like a nice outside. I place. love your, your oh. at Andy's place. You guys have we, a very nice place. Thank you. We love it too and feel, I mean, mostly I've been feeling very, very fortunate to be in a position where we could ride it out without worrying too much to have, you know, a nice house and a place to go and, and mm -hmm. a husband to talk to and see another person and cats. We adopted two cats in December, which was Wee! very good. Meow. I just heard one of them. <laughs> yes. Um, um, and, you know, it's just been really up and down. Like my uncle passed away on the East coast, not from COVID, but we couldn't have any kind of, I'm so sorry. Service for him. My parents' 50th yeah. wedding anniversary was in August. We were supposed to have a big family reunion. Obviously, we didn't. And, you know, um, I'm, again, way better off than so many people who have dealt with absolutely devastating 
right. boxes and situations. And also those things sucked. Hi, kitty. Yeah, now my cat's in the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and I always, like, I always hate the holidays because it interrupts the, mom- the work momentum of the year. Like, hmm. I love what I do for a living. I'm always trying to be working. And so when everything slows down and you can't be working, even for a couple of weeks around the holidays, I get restless. Never mind for a fucking year. So, um, and, and that's not entirely true. I have been able to do some work. I did a couple episodes of mom in, um, September, yeah. October, which was great. And uh-huh. some podcasts and like, I was part of a, a scripted podcast called Arden. That was really fun that I got to record from home. I revamped my whole voiceover situation and cool. Got new representation and got a better booth set up. And so that's another creative thing I've been doing is the whole time you've been able to like audition for voiceover stuff. Um, and just, just rolling with it. Oh man, you're, it's just, you're such a inspiration too because it's like i feel like i was like well we started a podcast during quarantine but also like the bad side of my head is like there's all this other shit you could have done too cj whatever um there's all this other shit you could have done congratulations (laughs) for not doing it because at a certain point just making it through the day you know in a healthy way is accomplishment enough right well, I've been maintaining therapy through this whole process, too. And I have a therapist that I love and could talk about all day. Um, but she gave me she always gives me really good one liners to remember in dire situations. And my mm-hmm. favorite one she gave me like at the beginning of quarantine was now's not the time. <laughs> it was. Any oh, my God. Time, yeah. Anytime I was like getting down on myself on what I should be doing. I'm not doing enough. What so and so is doing this. And I it's now's not the time. Now's not the time to worry about that shit. It's nobody knows what's going on right now. Yeah. So just do your best. Um, yeah, what exactly. Has, exactly. Yes. Did you? Oh, you look like you're about to say something. What? No. Okay. I well, was, oh, I was going to say. Yeah. I want to make sure I, I talk about better things because I am still on another show. Well, I, and I was just moving on. I want to hear about that, but I also want to hear about your favorite show or job you've ever had. So we can talk about both of those right now. Oh, perfect. Perfect. But that's it. That's the answer. So <laughs> for four seasons going on five, cat, um, I have been on a show called Better Things, also on FX. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is my favorite job I've ever had. And I get to still do it. So I also have that to look forward to, which is um, helping probably more than I realize, just in terms of my like mental state and right. anxiety level. And Where are you guys um, in process yeah, right now? Job I've ever had. Yeah. Where, where are you guys? Are you guys filming? Edit, what's going on right now? What in the hell? It's <laughs> okay. It just wants to be a part of the pod. You should you give your cats a podcast. <laughs> oh my god! Um, you slow down. Can you repeat that um, question? Oh shit! Are we filming right now? I got that. Oh part. yeah, where where are you guys in the process right now? Um, oh, I think they're writing. So um, the the way better things works because Pamela Adlon, who is the Pamela Adlon, is the star of the show, the creator of the show. 
the director of every episode, the head writer, the executive producer, the showrunner, blah, blah, blah. So um, it's a lot of things for Absolutely. one person to do. She, so they write the whole thing before hmm. we start shooting so that she's not attempting to write and direct and star at the same time. So I'm sure I, you know, they're writing right now and figuring it all out. And we have dates later in the year, which is wonderful. Um, so yeah, that's where it is. So I know I'm doing it and I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but I know mm -hmm. that it exists. So that's wonderful. What, what has made that like your favorite job? Is it, is it just a part you really love or is I'm, I'm sure, sure it's a combination of things. I think it's a combination of things like for first, um, it is, so I'm, ha I love doing guest roles where you show up for one episode or one or two episodes. I did it for a long, long time. I still do it sometimes. Love it. And also, um, I, I realized, so I was on Shameless for three seasons. Mm. And that was the first time that I recurred on something that I was on something enough that I started to feel like a part of the ensemble. Yep. And that is when I kind of, I mean, I always knew this in theater, which, and it's part of why I love burglars of ham shows so much but in in the context of television that was the first time i realized like i think the whole reason i do this i think really the, the reason i am an actor is i love ensemble i love that feeling of like knowing the people you're working with that sort of when it's working and it's you're going back and forth and that feeling of like anyone i throw the ball to i know is going to do something amazing with it and throw it back and like there's just <laughs> nothing to me nothing more satisfying than that yeah and shameless was the first time i got to be on a show if you're guesting you don't really get that because you're not there all the time. You're just trying not to fuck it up. You're on your best behavior. You're just, you're just sort of like, William oh, H. Macy is over there. Yeah. What the hell am I doing? Yeah. Like shameless. I, I was there enough that I got to get a taste of that, a feel, you know, a feel for that flow. And so better things similarly, I'm part of that ensemble and it's such an amazing ensemble. And it's just like, and the material it's feminist, it's, funny and dramatic it's um uh, it's just it just feels like one of those things where it's a little signpost that i am on the right path because it mm. is like everything i want in a job i love the role like i play <laughs> i play her manager a lesbian a single mom i never have to wear heels like, <laughs> that's my dream role dream, exactly <laughs> like i wear comfortable clothes <laughs> um i get to be funny and also sometimes not be funny and just be a like i just it's it's i love all of the people all of the cast all of the crew mm -hmm. the material um the process just just i love everything about it and so um yeah, that's why it's my favorite. And I would watch it even if I would watch it if I wasn't on it. I would love it. And it nice. like when they announced it, it was one of those things I do this, I email my agent. I want to keep an eye on this. And like 99.899% of the time. <laughs> you know, like, dear sirs, Rebecca Metz would like to be on your show. And they're like, oh, congratulations to her, I guess. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is a show I wanted to be on and actually got to be on, which is like amazing. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Um, it kind of leads me sort of into my next question is when 
was the last time you did theater? Hmm. I guess it depends on how you define theater. I haven't done a play, Mm -hmm. really done a show since Brodus. Okay. Devastating. But, you know, TV schedules and theater schedules don't. Right. Right. So well. But I have done a lot of shorter, like, readings and stage things. And there's a there's an improv show at Upright Citizens Brigade called Gravid Water that I've done a bunch of times, which is, oh, my God. UCB is um, amazing. It, it, it is. And I, so my friend Lucy Davis, who I met on Better Things, used to do this show. And I went and saw her. And she kind of connected me with them. So the way it works is every show, there's five scenes, five two-person scenes. In each scene is an actor and an improviser. So one person, this is what I did, learn, they send you half of a theater scene. Mm -hmm. You learn just your lines for a scene from theater. And the improviser has no idea. They're just an improviser. So Is it, okay, so wait, side question. Is it like a well-known script or is it just any old script? Is it like a Sam Shepard or something? They try to avoid well-known scripts. Okay, okay. They don't want the improviser to know what to do, what it is. I think the closest I ever got to something I recognized was a scene from a play. I don't remember what it's called. That was like a precursor to Glass Menagerie. So you could kind of (laughs) tell it was Glass Menagerie. But um, so, so as the actor, I can only say my lines Uh and the improviser does whatever. And it's like, oh, I can't even, it's, I've never been so sick to my stomach nervous. And and you, you were reading the lines or improvising? I was, I was, you memorized them. So, but I was doing. Oh, shit. Okay. Then that. <laughs> it turns out it's really hard to memorize lines when you don't know what the other person is going to say, which is what we're all supposed to do all the time. <laughs> fuck you. That's not how it works, really. So, and the, obviously, like, but, but this is part of what I love about it is that it is the way acting is always supposed to be like. They don't know where the lines are, so they will interrupt you at any moment. It's not like you're necessarily <laughs> going to get the whole line out. Right. And they will, you have to find a way to make the next thing you're going to say make sense. So, you know, you really need to go through the thought process of the character. Like you, you Oh, shit. Different muscle. It is Also, muscle. you're in front of people. <laughs> also, you're in front of people. And it, it sells out all the time. So often there are people... <laughs> seated on the floor in a, in a three quarter round, like right on top of you. And so like, if you, and the booth only has your last three lines. So (laughs) (laughs) you are really at sea and you are the only person who knows what is supposed to happen. On the one hand, if you fuck up, no one's going to know. But on the other hand, like if you don't say your last three lines, the scene will never end. (laughs) Oh my God. And they get amazing improvisers and amazing actors. And like, it's, it's like just joy. And so like, I've done a bunch of those, which are theater unquestionably, but a weird kind of. No, it's absolutely theater because then my next question is why do you keep going? But why do you keep doing stuff like that? Um, when you're getting paid and recognized and stuff. Like there's nothing like a live audience. There just isn't. And, and, um, given that I am fortunate enough to primarily work in television now and do it often enough that like, I can't be like, dear agent, I am taking four (laughs) months off to do a 99 seat, you know? Well, it helps you're doing like, you're doing really fulfilling work too. It sounds like. Yeah. I'm yes. I'm doing, 
I'm doing stuff on television that I love and enjoy, and it's just a different set of challenges and pleasures and whatever. But mm-hmm. I started in theater. I will always go back to theater, and I need... There's just nothing like that adrenaline, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and again, I think that's a way that I... Uh, purge anxiety so I think it's good for me to oh my god when I watched Hamilton Hamilton uh-huh. came out you know in July mm-hmm. uh we watched it whatever like everybody else did and I I'm telling you this because I know you will understand we <laughs> it, and I had we had seen it we saw it at the Pantages we watched it it's over it's like 11 o'clock and he's like okay I'm going to bed and I was at a hundred percent performance mode I was like <laughs> They yeah. just called places, and I need to do a fucking show right now. <laughs> yes. And it, I was not prepared, and I mean, it, it was really like my interactor had been hibernating, and that just woke her the fuck up. And it took like three days of like meditating and yoga and like talking <laughs> to my inner theater person to be like, we can't, we can't do it right now. You have to go back to sleep. <laughs> I'm so sorry. We're not. That was um, last week. We just recorded um, a bunch of special episodes. Mm -hmm. And so I just watched Lacajo fall for the first time. And there's, Mm -hmm. there's a 1999 production um, that's available on YouTube. And I was, I was weeping and laughing out loud at the same time, because it was like, I just, I was there mm-hmm. and I missed it. I missed seeing it. I missed yep. doing it. And yeah, it's, it's, I've been, I've been working through it in therapy as well through mm-hmm. this whole process of just not having it. Um, and I just, uh, I felt like I already knew the answer to that question. I just, um, yeah. I just anyway. It's just, you know, it's, it's not, you can't replace it. You can't get that any other It's way. in your bones, it's in your blood. Yeah. Um, Okay, so now for the easy, and maybe they might not be that easy questions. I'm finding out that they're actually the hardest questions. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your favorite play? There's, or you can give me like a top three if it's, okay. it's hard. There is a play. This is just, it's a play I've always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Play I saw in London in college when I was there on an exchange thing called The Lights by Howard Corder. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. It in somewhere and there's a great role for me. I'm probably too old for it now, but like, oh my god, it's so great, and I'm gonna do it anyway. I don't care. Um, but there's a scene. It's it's sort of. I saw what's her name? Oh god, I'm not gonna say her name because I forget it. <laughs> but Emily Mortimer. Emily, I saw Emily yeah. Mortimer. And I was gonna say what? Emily. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it was at the Royal Court right before they completely refurbished it. Shit. So, so, Wait, we talked. When were you in London? We talked about this before. When were I was London? in London in '95. We did everything ten years apart because I was in London in 2005 and did mm-hmm. my like. Stu- mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Sorry, I'm sorry. Go no. on. Um. So the it's and it's it's very much like a city life and ex- exploration of life in the city, all of its darknesses and fucking weirdnesses, and they turned it around so that the royal court has like tiered tiered seating like boxes three mm-hmm. layers of boxes yeah they turned it around so they built bleachers on the stage where the audience sat and they played the show they built sort of floors on these boxes so it was like a four level thing which was like the levels of it was like a high rise and also the economic levels and like oh my god it was so 
great. But there's a scene <laughs> where the lead male character who's desperate for money is like um, illegally like demolishing a building to, to get the brass fittings in the pipes. And mm-hmm. so you have to, they have to destroy a wall with crowbars every night, which I suspect is why nobody does it because it's <laughs> complicated, but yes. So, so I love it so much. I just, I just love, love, love. I've done a reading of it. I would love, listen, sacred fools. I want to do this play and all listen, you fools. give me this one part. The lights by Albert Korber. How- Howard quarter, Howard quarter. I'm just going to look that up. Okay, I believe for a play called The Boys, but if I'm wrong, don't be mad at me. Or I do believe I know The Boys, actually. Um, Okay, was that your one favorite player? Did you have others? I mean, there's so many. There's, I mean, Land of the Tigers and the fucking behavior of Brodus. I just have to say, like, I, I, I want to give those two. I want to give a plug to Burglars of Ham because, um. I think one of my biggest gripes since coming to LA and I went to like, you know, I went to like a baby of Carnegie Mellon, mm-hmm. but they were really, in, they, they were really big on theater 101, just mm-hmm. like being professional and taking care of your shit. And I love that about burglars of ham. They're incredibly professional. Their work is impeccable and they're all really good people to work with. And it's just, yeah. Yeah. Like you work with them and it's like, I want to be this good all the time and it's so uh like i'm not gonna be able to articulate this well it's so funny i i like yes it's smart it's and funny it's funny and it's dark and there's moments of drama in it too that's i i don't want anything that's all one thing like one genre it's a comedy it's a, like yep i want it messy and dark and funny and creepy and you know, I think I'd like to say my resume reflects that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but they just, they do it. They're just, they do it so well. And like, it's a bunch of people who write and direct together, which should never work. Mm-hmm. It works with them. Yep. And they're all the same style and say, well, yeah. you know, ish. They all complement one another. That's probably a better way to yeah. describe it. So those um, are, I guess, The Lights is my favorite play having not done it uh-huh. and the those two land of the tigers and behavior of brodus have been my favorite plays to do yes okay well how about your favorite musical not the behavior of brodus my favorite musical uh <laughs> i i'm an old school americana like either guys and dolls or carousel carousel is the first musical i was ever in as a little how child, old were you when you did that probably eight yeah i, I did not understand what it was about <laughs> I did Meet Me in St. Louis when I was nine Aww. and just rewatched it during Christmas. And I was like, this musical A does not hold up and B has a really bizarre plot line. Mm-hmm. So, but, but they also in- created the song Skip to My Lou. And there was another famous song in that, that anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But okay. So, okay. So I'm Carousel or. a huge musical person. Like I am not. I don't know how to say this without being offensive. <laughs> you won't be. You're I allowed to like what you like. I hate most of them. I think a lot of them are cheap and poorly done. There it is. Oh, <laughs> I love it. No, it's I, all. I mean, I didn't go to New York specifically because I do not want to have to be in crappy musicals to earn a living. All right. That's just how it is. Come at me, musical theater people. <laughs> Come but, at me, New York. But but there are good ones. So Brodus, for example. Uh-huh. Um, 
I saw Guys and Dolls on Broadway with Faith Prince and Nathan Lane and Peter Gallagher. Mm -hmm. And it was still up there. I really shouldn't say up there with Angels in America because that's like apples and... You're allowed to like what you like. It's fine. They're just so (laughs) wildly... It's it's far and away my favorite musical production I've ever seen. All right. It was just spectacular. And there's something about old... I don't, you can keep your like movie adaptation and your jukebox musicals, like shove them up your ass. I can't stand them. (laughs) I want an original, beautiful, compelling story where they burst into song because the emotion gets so tremendous that you spoken words will not accommodate them. That is what a musical is supposed to be. (laughs) That is how I want it. Amen. Amen. And I I can hear, I don't know which cat it is behind you, but it's like being fed right now. It's agreeing with you the whole time. (laughs) Um, No, agree. Yes. Um, So uh, do you have a favorite playwright? This one I thought about because I, I, uh, it's such a difficult question. (laughs) There's no playwright that I feel like whose work I feel like I know comprehensively enough to, or certainly enough playwrights for me to compare. But I will say my favorite playwright besides the burglars whose work I have done is Sheila Callahan, who's Mm. a LA Mm -hmm. thing, wonderful Mm -hmm. playwright who wrote on shameless. It so happens, but before she was a playwright for a million years before that, and we're from the same hometown and we have friends in common, but whatever. Hi, Shields. And I think my favorite playwright, like, of plays I've just gone to see and been like, wow, I really love this playwright is Yasmina Reza, who did art and um, God of Carnage. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, yes. Okay. I love, I think there's something about um, at least those two. Again, I don't know her whole body of work. Right. But, you know, she does that thing of, of a few people crammed in a room together. It's not complicated. And it's a simple idea. Like art is about a fucking painting. It's three dudes and a painting. I, I, I love simplicity and restraint and a simple idea. I don't, this is, I think, part of why I respond the way I do to musicals. I don't want a whole bunch of fucking helicopters flying in and like, I don't need spectacle. I don't, that's not what I'm there for. I want Mm -hmm. a story and I want constraints and people struggling against those constraints. Like, you know, so, um, yeah, that's my answer. (laughs) Amen. No, it was a a beautiful answer. I'm just sitting here enraptured this whole time listening to you. Have you Um, seen art? Did you see, have you ever seen art, the play art? I haven't. I just loved it. I saw it with Alfred Molina. Victor Garber and Alan Alda. Like, oh my God. Come on. It was (laughs) at the Ivar Theater. It was so great. And then I saw God of Carnage at the Taper or Amundsen. I don't remember. And Hugo Armstrong was understudying. It was James Gandolfini, Jeff Daniels. He was understudying them both. Marsha Gay Harden and Hope Davis. Fuck. We've literally talked about Hugo on the podcast where like i mean scott and i know him but we've been like bailey do you know hugo armstrong we're like no he says no and we're like you've probably seen him in something and if you haven't he's probably been nominated for something you've heard about yeah but hugo was their understudy he never had shit but um oh that play was i just i just love it oh god you you are one of those people that has constantly enriched my life whether it's as an artist or a friend or like a sister that i never had and um 
God damn, it's been great talking to you. This has been a lot of fun. Um, Is there anything else you want to bring up or plug or talk about? Fuck Donald Trump. (laughs) Yes, Uh, agreed. uh, I mean, just just throwing that out there. Uh Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. No. Okay. Plug. Wait, wait. Plug. (laughs) (laughs) They're doing a. a, I'm trying to practice just working my publicity muscles again. (laughs) There's a Showtime show. uh, Shameless is ending. Uh huh. This season is their last season. Oh wow. Okay. Clip show called Hall of Shame. Like it's a bunch of episodes of their best moments, and I'm in a couple of them. So that's awesome. All they right. Paid me and I didn't have to do any work. Oh, I love it. The shameless hall of shame. Everybody. Um, okay. Thank you for joining us for our artist spotlight bonus episode. Uh, stay safe and smart out there, everyone. This weekend, you'll still get your normal feed. We're currently doing our August Wilson miniseries, so you'll definitely oh. want to tune in for that. Follow us on all the of the socials and follow Rebecca on Instagram and Twitter at the Rebecca Metz. Thank you to Ryan Thomas Johnson for our theme song and Annie Baker for writing our script. And thank you, Rebecca Metz, for being a spectacular guest. Thank you, CJ. Thank you, Scott. I miss you guys. I can't wait. I just miss what theaters smell like. Do you know? I just want to smell a fucking theater. Come to Sacred <sighs> Fool. I mean, I remember when we first moved in there, it smelled like, it was the first time I'd smelled what crack smelled like. Or meth or something. I will say, I don't miss the smell of the old Sacred Fools because <laughs> those guys used to pee against the wall, against the door, and you could, like, when it rained under the crack. I called it backstage pee smell, is what I called it, instead of backstage left. It was backstage. Yeah, uh, what else would you call it? I mean... <laughs> And I think backstage right was that backstage was. like police sirens. Anyway, um, yeah. we love you all. Everyone take care. <laughs> Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> the theater, the theater. Theater, theater.